First, a message from Pom Pom. Hey Soph, can you help me? I find it so hard to find gifts for crafters, and now I've got zero time for anything to arrive at the post. Oh, well, have no festive fear. Pom Pom have a specially curated selection on their website. They've got special subscriptions and digital options for those last minute Larrys. This sounds too good to be true. Tell me about this subscription. It sounds like it could be a gift for the whole year. You got it, baby. Your loved one could be among the first crafters to receive the magazine every quarter. Each issue is lovingly hand-wrapped in beautiful paper, and you could choose to start with a subscription for the spring issue, right? And make their 2022 a whole year of POM. Wait, that means it would also include the bumper 10th anniversary issue that's due out this summer. What a great idea! And you mentioned something about digital options? Yes, well, any publication you order from Pom Pom includes digital access to the PDF. But what if I told you you could order a gift card that would ping into the recipient's inbox instantly? I'd say you just solved my gift-giving dilemma, Soph. This means they can choose whatever they want. I know, imagine that. Check out these delights and more at pompommag.com forward slash shop. Pompommag.com forward slash shop, you say? I'm going there right now. Great. Now, on to the Pomcast. Hi and welcome to Pomcast, the podcast brought to you by Pom Pom Quarterly. I'm Sophie Heathscott and I'm joined by... Lydia Gluck. Hi Sophie. Hi and what a surprise. Who's that lurking in the digital room with us? We are very happy to say welcome to Belinda Johnson. Hello. Hi. <laughs> this is very exciting. We were just saying before we started recording that it's very rare for us to have another Pom Pom person on the podcast with us. I think also our voices all sound really similar, so <laughs> that's going to be fun. <laughs> Welcome, Extra Voice, Belinda. You are not only joining us for this intro, you have done an interview, as they say in the official world. You've uh, joined our digital group of podcasting to chat with Sam Topley. Yep, Sam Topley. So I found Sam on... Instagram, we were working on our issue 39 stuff, which is the rhythm issue, if anybody doesn't know. And uh, I saw a workshop video of her making her noisy pom-poms with some kids. And I was like, hey, we need to talk to this lady. So I interviewed her. She is a sound artist and researcher who works with textiles and fiber to create electronic instruments including noisy pom-poms and some knitted loudspeakers and punch needle stuff. I spoke to her about how she first got interested in working with fiber and how craftivism and collective musicking can help break down barriers to electronic music making. And we're very glad you did. I mean, it sounds like the most, uh, you know, the Venn diagram of who's going to appear on a Pomcast interview with fiber and sound and music and pom-poms. It's just really encapsulates all that. And I, I'm an electronic music nerd, so it's like the perfect kind of uh, bringing together of my interests. Yeah, definitely. That's part of the circle in there. Definitely. Yeah. Like Belinda <laughs> bit of the circle. Yeah. yeah. And then there's the like rhythm issue bit of the circle. So it all ties together very, very beautifully. Um, but because this is the first time we've had Belinda on the podcast, we need to, uh, the POMCATs need to know about your relationship to knitting as well. 
Yeah. Well, first of all, the prerequisite is I've known Lydia since we were, like, I was 18, you were 17. Yeah, since we were kids growing up in Swansea. Yeah, growing up in super cool Swansea, you know. So I met Lydia at college and uh, friendship has blossomed since then. And I now work for her. Hey. <laughs> All those years ago, I was scheming. <laughs> I was like, if I, make, if I make friends with Belinda, then one day. You had a big I'll be plan. Able to get her, like, yeah, to join my empire. 20 year thing. Yeah. Nice. Um, I My mum taught me how to knit when I was quite young. Uh, and then I kind of, I got back into it when I was a teenager and knitted some very questionable items in the name of punk, because that was me when I was like 15. I actually keep thinking now that I will try and remake the jumper that I made when I was 15, which was a kind of attempt at making this classic Vivian Westwood striped mohair thing that uh, there's pictures of Johnny Rotten wearing. And I was like, I wanna wear that, it's beautiful but I made it in like the worst cheap acrylic with no real pattern. Uh, it had loads of holes in it and I destroyed it in the washing machine. So I'm going to try and remake that at some point. I think that would be a good way to me to like. I think I remember that jumper. I think I remember you showing it to me. <laughs> yeah, like it, it got completely destroyed. But I remember but... being really impressed because at that point I couldn't really knit. So I was yeah, just imp like, wow. Impressed, <laughs> impressed yeah. in, in inverted commas. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But then I sort of gave up. Uh, but then since I've joined Pom Pom, obviously I've kind of needed to get back into knitting because it would be weird if I didn't, right? So uh, I obviously restarted my knitting journey with our fantastic beginner's book, Knit How. And I've made several Belinda hats. And I would suggest that people try and make a Belinda hat because it's the best. And I've been building up my skills over the last year and a half. And usually... I'm a finisher of projects, but not at the moment, which is sad. I have too many things on the go. Um, the saddest one is my first jumper since I was 15, my first raglan jumper, which uh, I started over the summer. Uh, I swatched too many times because I'm a diligent swatcher, which is good, right? But I ran out of yarn before I could finish the sleeves and the collar, bad. Um, but, and I also found out that Dererum Natura would only be dying the colorway I needed in February next year. So uh, that one's in the cupboard, um, waiting for some new yarn. Unless anyone has any Dererum Gilead in Arable, which is like a brick orange red that they could like sell me. I'd be really happy. Whoa, that. That's good. A good uh, podcast <laughs> shout out if anyone can. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I just need like one. I think I need one, maybe two if you have two for safety. <laughs> Um, <laughs> as sad as it is to run out of yarn, I feel like that is, it's not written in knit how, but running out of yarn for a project is as much a part as a knitter as making and finishing a jumper as well. That's so. good to know. Yeah. Also, yeah. the fact that the yarn is still in production and will come back one day is quite good. Yeah. I feel like yeah. sometimes you run out of something and you're like, and they don't make it anymore. Okay. So yeah. now we have to have a little... <laughs> rethink of the whole uh of the whole project there yeah it's a bit sad but never mind it'll be back next year it's just on pause yeah it's having a little break a little chill yeah you know um i'm trying to soften the pain of that with the next project which is project cookie monster which is the code name for my granya am i saying that right granya 
from Ready Set Raglan, so. the Garter Stitch, squishy, beautiful Raglan. Um, named Project Cookie Monster because it's electric blue and fluffy. And I'm one of those people that wears so much black that I have to, I, I look at my wardrobe by touch rather than sight. I have to like squish things into my Ooh. wardrobe because I can't see what they are. And I thought I needed new colors in my life. And when we were doing a photo shoot back in September in the studio, I found this like amazing blue mohair yarn. It was like a tiny little ball of it. And I was like, oh, I really want to make a jumper out of this. I have no idea what it is. But um, I found some amazing yarn uh, by Black Elephant. And she, uh, Petra, has a new colorway called Shockwave, which is like the brightest, boldest, most shockingest blue. And so I bought some in for Ply Merino and I've got Surrey Cloud to, to hold with it, which is an alpaca and silk blend. So I can't stop like squishing the swatch I've made already. So I'm very excited about making this jumper. Hopefully I won't need to like frog it at any point because that fills me with dread, but hey. <laughs> yeah, I th actually the first garment I think I ever made was a mohair cardigan for some reason. Mm. And I had to frog a significant proportion of one of the fronts. And it taught me that um, frogging mohair is not easy, but it is doable. <laughs> but yes, it's it's to be avoided where possible. Yeah, I'm going to be careful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just like knit, you know, mindfully and softly and mm. not get carried away. <laughs> which is leads me on perfectly to this other project that I had to frog, uh, which is the Trumbita Mittens from issue 39. Oh no, you had to frog them. What happened? Because I made, basically, I think I got carried away with the pattern repeat and they were like more suited to a T-Rex than a human being, you know, like this kind of weird, like long hand and the thumb really like far down. I just like, <laughs> I was like, oh, oh no, this won't fit anyone else. <laughs> so, uh, and, and not definitely not me. They were meant to be a gift for someone. I was like, oh, this is bad. So I had to frog them, sadly. And I haven't had the heart to cast them on again but I would thoroughly recommend them as a good pattern for someone that has never done color work I'm not very experienced with color work so they use the I'm gonna pronounce this badly rositude I think that's how you say it technique um which is an Estonian inlay technique where you weave a second color between your stitches to create this kind of geometric pattern and it's way easier than that sounds and um yeah I, lo I, I love them and maybe I'm thinking about making them for myself other than giving them away, but I need to start them again. Yes, yes, we've all been there with the old uh, <laughs> having to, you know, try a few times to get something right, but it's very satisfying when it does happen. Well, obviously you're very busy with many knitting projects, which is what the POM team are often doing, but also, uh, like we said, you work at POM POM, and uh, I wonder if you could tell us what, well, we know, tell the listeners what role you have at Pom Pom. Yeah, what do you what do? What do I do? <laughs> uh, oh, I have a very varied role at Pom Pom. So officially my job title is I'm the publisher and marketing director. I work on marketing and PR. I do a lot of production stuff. I'm a bit of a print nerd. So I talk a lot to printers about paper and other really fascinating things like that. Um, do a bit of distribution work. I'm also currently in the midst of our giant redesign and redevelopment project on the Pom Pom website, which is taking a long time. But believe me when I say it will be worthwhile. I also look after all of our advertising. So if you are listening, 
and interested in sponsoring the podcast, you can talk to me, um, Belinda at pompommag.com, if you're ever interested in working with us. Nice advertisement for the advertisers there. <laughs> Meta. <laughs> well, that's great. It's great to uh, hear a little bit more about what you get up to in the POM world. And uh, of course, you've also added to that wonderful list of things by being an interviewer for us. Uh, would you like to introduce the interview? So I'm just going to introduce myself interviewing the wonderful Sam Topley. <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad. It's really sunny, so apologies if I feel like I'm in the dark. I'm like by a window, so I have to. Oh no, it's, it's really gloomy here. It's really dark and cloudy. And oh gray, no! So send some sun this way. Yeah, please. no, it's a it's a rare bright day in London. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, firstly, I just wanted to hear from you. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and your work and. Just a little intro. Sure. So, yeah, my name is Sam Topley. I, I am a sound artist. I'm a musician, an educator, and I'm from Leicester uh, in the UK. Um, as a sound artist, I am interested in exploring and experimenting with new ways of creatively working with sound and music. Um, and in my artistic practice, I work with textiles uh, to create handmade electronic musical instruments and interactive sound artwork. Um, so to give you a picture of the kind of instruments I make, uh, they're tactile instruments. They respond to touch. They use technology and electronics to make sound. Um, I work in mostly brightly coloured yarn. Um, some of my projects, they sound quite noisy and electronic, uh, while others are much more softer and ambient. Um, and a lot of my projects are in some way participatory. So I love to work with others and get people involved in what I do. Great. And have you have you always been interested in working with fibre or crafts or what's your history with that? Yeah, so I've been working with yarn and fibre in my music making practice for quite a while now. Um, my background my background's in music, um, music performance, um, but making and textiles have always been a part uh, a part of my life. Growing up as a child, I'd sit for hours with my grandparents making pom poms. As a teenager, when my mum bought me a sewing machine one year for a, a birthday and Christmas present, um, and I'd make shirts and bags and dresses to go out in, uh, I'd upcycle a lot of charity shop clothes, and especially as a teenager, like in my early 20s, um, I always wanted to wear something a bit different and unique, and I think there's something quite punk about that. Um, but yeah, I really got into yarn and fibre around 10 years ago, I'd say. Um, I taught myself to knit, uh, to crochet, weave, and this was mostly to enable me to explore these alternative ways of creating musical instruments. So all of this was happening around the same time um, that I was studying electronic musical instrument building at university. Uh, and I could actually see a lot of similarities between the two ways of working. So I was really fascinated by materials. 
how as an artist or a maker you could explore and experiment with different materials and really think about how you can bring it all together because I just love the process uh, of making. And actually there are a lot of similarities when you think about how we work with fi uh, fibre uh, and yarn and how we work with sound and music. Uh, in both practices, perhaps you're following a pattern or a score, um, perhaps you're improvising, uh, working with fibre, you might be exploring different textures, patterns, shapes, colours uh, to, to create a piece. And, and when you're composing music, it's actually much the same. Um, so you're thinking about the properties of sound in, in a really similar way. Um, and uh, yeah, with sound and music, I guess you're organising sounds to, to make musical material. Yeah, I've never even, yeah, I've never even thought about that. So that <laughs> I always think about the rhythm of knitting, you know, and it, yeah. it's kind of uh, diff making different shapes and that I think about waveforms and, oh, you know, yeah. so there is that similarity, I suppose, but yeah, interesting. Um, I first heard of you, uh, we were preparing our new issue, which is all themed around rhythm and some music comes into it as well, but it's mainly about rhythm. So we have a lot of pattern work, a lot of repeated patterns, all inspired by rhythm. Um, and I don't know why I came across you. I think I, I think I follow Supersonic Festival on Instagram. Okay. Or it's a festival I've been to before. Amazing. And one of your workshops came up. Yes. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, uh, this is perfect. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and um, what I saw to explain to our listeners was your noisy pom-poms. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about those and how they, how they work? Yeah, of course. So um, a lot of my musical instruments that I make are pom-pom based. Uh, I just love pom-poms. <laughs> For me, this is where it all started. I think they're really fun and playful, they're nostalgic um, and they make for really good musical instruments because of their form. So you can grab them, you can squeeze them, you can roll them, you can throw them. Uh, and when you think about most music technology, well, it's grey or black, it's uh, made in metal or plastic. Uh, and the way that you perform with it is actually, it, it can be quite rigid. So perhaps you have an interface of knobs and buttons and faders, and it's not always that easy with, the, with these tools to be really expressive. So I, I just kind of thought, well, why not yarn bomb the technology, change its appearance, change the way we play with it, uh, make it soft and colourful and squashy um, to really ask, well, what kind of performances could this open up uh, and who else might want to play? Um, so the Noisy Pom Poms project, this is all based around crafting handmade electronic musical instruments. And these instruments are played by squeezing pom poms. So the instrument, uh, a lot of this instrument building, a lot of it takes place in workshops, but there's also a DIY kit that I've made. So you can um, get all of the materials you'd need to make this instrument. Uh, and then you can make it at home with, with just everyday tools, really, from around the home. So perhaps I can describe, uh, describe a pom-pom musical instrument or a noisy pom-pom instrument. Um, so there, there are two pom-poms, uh, and these pom-poms are apple-sized, I'd say. Uh, and the pom-poms, these are the interface. So these are the means of playing and making sound uh, with the instruments. You connect with the instrument by touching the pom-poms. 
So the pom-poms, they're connected to the instrument by two crocodile clips, and you know, the kind you might have used in science at school. Um, So we use the crocodile clips to connect them to a cardboard box. And the cardboard box, or instrument box, as I like to call it, this has all of the electronics within it. So there's a loudspeaker in the top, uh, and inside the box, there's all the circuitry uh, and the battery. Uh, Shall I give you a demo? Would you like to hear it? Please, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Describe what you're doing. What are you doing? Squeezing. So what I'm doing is I'm squeezing two pom-poms. The pom-poms are really brightly coloured. They just fit into the palm of my hand. And the harder I squeeze them, uh, the higher the pitch of the sound. So I'm controlling the sound uh, by squeezing a pair of pom-poms. Um, so when, when I'm touching the pom-poms, when I'm touching them with my hands, essentially uh, I'm completing the electronic instrument circuit. Uh, so I'm connecting with the circuitry because we, uh, as humans, are electrically conductive. We're able to provide some kind of electrical resistance within the circuit. Uh, and this, this can make for some quite expressive music. So by interacting with the pom-poms, what I'm doing is I'm changing the, the, uh, the flow of the electric current within the circuit. Uh, and this, because of the circuit we're using, uh, allows me to change the pitch of the sound. I just think it's a really fun and expressive way of playing with sound. Uh, it's a science lesson as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It feels like they're sort of squealing as well when you like yeah. <laughs> give them a little squeeze. They're like, ooh, yeah. Um, so is there, do you find any fibre works or is there anything in particular that you're, you think works better or it changes the sound or is it not really to do with the fibre? It's more to do with that electronic uh, connection with the with our bodies yeah so so the pom-poms the noisy pom-poms um they aren't just any pom-poms they have conductive thread within them uh-huh. the conductive thread this allows the pom-poms to become a part of the circuitry um and with the these uh the noisy pom-poms that this is just blended with well any yarn really works uh, I work with a lot of dk yarn uh, they make for nice pom-poms but yeah just a nice blend of conductive material and uh, and just regular yarn. So in my practice, I do work with a lot of conductive yarns, fibres, uh, threads. Um, and yeah, like I say, you can blend this, depending on the kind of craft you're using, you can blend these conductive materials really with any kind of uh, fibre and yarn you can felt, uh, felt with steel wool and things like that. So there's some really interesting things you can do. Um, and the conductive yarns are what we call e-textile materials or electronic textile materials. Uh, and to give a, like a brief, de- a broad side definition, these are textiles with some kind of electronic property within the fibre. Now, this is often some kind of conductive metal, such as steel or silver. Uh, and yeah, they're blended with other fibres and materials to make uh, conductive yarns, threads, fabrics, walls. So there's there's all sorts of materials available and you can use these e-textiles or electronic textiles within an electronic circuit. So yeah, essentially you can stitch circuitry, make conductive pom-poms and so many other cool things. Yeah, I'm just imagining how cool it would be to have a jumper that did that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little bit dangerous. I don't know. Oh, I think it'd be brilliant. 
um so I wanted to I wanted to talk about music making and kind of how it's a closed space now I've I've for me I've always wanted to make music um but an electronic music I love electronic music but it's there are barriers and uh, especially about you know gender it's a very male dominated space and often the financial inequality around kind of electronic music making and equipment equipment is expensive um and it's really hard to break into that if you don't know what to buy you don't know what to do so can you tell us a bit more about musicking and collective musicking and how this kind of links into craftivism as well yeah sure so this is somewhat of a big question uh, I'm, yep. <laughs> um, I'm doing some academic research and this is something that's a real uh, key theme in what I'm doing so yeah perhaps this will be quite a big answer <laughs> but yeah so making your own instruments it, it really is an alternative practice um, so traditionally, a big part of, of music education uh, is often perhaps it's about studying an instrument, taking exams, and with all of this, virtuosity is the goal. Um, but actually, there's so much more to music making than that. What about the community, the experience of playing together? Um, and this idea, I think, of aiming for virtuosity, it makes music making a very expensive and a very privileged practice when you think of the cost of instruments, tuition uh, and so on. So I'd say that my music making practice, it aligns much more with a folk or punk way of making music, but in a, in a contemporary and an experimental electronic music context. Uh, um, but it is more about the community and the experience of playing together, um, thinking about learning something, sharing ideas and, and finding identity within that, finding new ways of exploring sound. Uh, which aren't bound by exclusive environments or, or expensive tools. So I've borrowed the term musicking from the musician and author Christopher Small, uh, and he presents the idea that music is an action or a process to be celebrated rather than a product. So in essence, for me, it's about the act of getting together to make music and this act being of equal, uh, if not more importance than, than the actual music itself. So musicking to me doesn't need to be focused on virtuosity or creating works of mastery or even the goal of performing the work to an audience. But instead, it's about having a go, doing it together. It's a DIY practice. It's about finding the confidence in a creative voice. Um, and for me, this is all about facilitating environments um, and workshops and projects that are all empowering their, their environments for creative expression. They celebrate this idea of music uh, as a process over the idea of music as a product. Um, so I'm, I'm really exploring how these social music making environments and experiences can be facilitated with DIY electronic musical instruments. Uh, and this is without bias to prior experience or formal music or technology education. And I like to do this where possible in, in alternative or community spaces. So uh, I like to work with audiences who wouldn't necessarily call themselves musicians or technologists. 
So placing DIY textile craft at the forefront of an instrument building practice, it, it reframes the activity. So we're drawing on alternative materials, processes, skill sets. Uh, and in turn, this facilitates a new space for creative practice and music making. So, yeah, I'm challenging these socio-political barriers associated with music and technology, uh, such as virtuosity and expense. And this is to what I hope to open up this, this practice to a wider field. Uh, and this also does include broadening the demographics of those who participate. And, and this really is where craftivism comes in. Um, so craft is political, craftivism is radical. Uh, for me as a craftivist, I'm using DIY textile handcrafts as a vehicle to engage with electronic music, experimental music, music technology and many other ideas. So I guess at the minute I'm really asking, well, how can we use ideas in craftivism to promote positive change uh, in the field of music and music technology? So when we think about the demographics of a music technology degree course, for example, the uptake is overwhelmingly male. So what happens in this field if we were to introduce other materials, other processes, other narratives, other cultures, alternative ideas, ways of working, um, such as those related to DIY handcrafting? So, so what happens? Um, yeah, and so far I'm really pleased uh, with the courses and the projects that I've been running, the workshops I've been running, using this craftivist approach to musicking. Uh, I'm really pleased to report on majority female and non-binary uptake. Uh, and these are really underrepresented genders in the field. So is it the materials? Is it the processes, the aesthetics? Mm -hmm. Is it me? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still understanding all of this. Um, but yeah, for now, let's just be craftivists and we can use the power of craft to create a more diverse space for creative expression in music. Yeah, totally. I mean, my, my entire experience of it is about oh, I need to learn this new production tech. I, you know, I need to learn how to use a software or I need to learn how to use this particular item that yeah. just boggles my mind. So I think the simplicity of an instrument that is easy to use, you know, easy to understand yes. as well. Like, how does this work? It's easy to explain. <laughs> but also I think, you know, as as knitters, um, there we have we we have the same issue you know like knitting is can be seen as too difficult yes and like how do we make that easier for everybody to understand because it is you know it, it is easy to understand but I think there's this whole kind of and you're right making it perfect having yeah. to not make mistakes yeah you know and 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 like oh my god how do I correct my mistake and all of this stuff kind of stops people getting into craft sadly as well yes um so yeah it's it's a really interesting I think new way of thinking about music making so thank you for explaining that That's thank great. you um and you spoke a little bit about your phd and that's in craft focus electronic music uh, uh, instrument building that's yeah. right yeah um so can you can you speak to how those kind of cra more craft-based practices are like received within that academic space 
yeah, I think I just gave you my <laughs> PhD <Yeah>. thesis. <laughs> um, but yeah, I find that um, that craft-based practices, they receive wonderfully. So I work in a music technology department, the Music Technology and Innovation Research Institute. This is at De Montfort University in Leicester. Uh, and it's a very creative environment. There, there is a lot of making going on. Uh, so people are hacking, making, soldering, uh, finding, exploring objects to create new music, new musical instruments, sonic artwork. Um, and there, re there really are a lot of similarities in the way that we all think about making and crafting objects for, for music making. Uh, it's, it's really... For me, it's really exciting to be bringing in these alternative materials and processes into these spaces like the, the DIY craft um, work I do. And most often I find that folks are very curious. Uh, they're excited. They want to learn more about these new kind of materials in the field. Um, th there's, of course, a lot of interdisciplinary and cross-disciplinary practices in artistic research, um, like music research because we do often need to draw from other disciplines and practices to, to really make sense of what we're doing. Um, but working with textiles in, in electronic musical instrument building, it's, it's quite unusual. There aren't too many of us uh, working in this way. But yeah, making, uh, making and crafting in general is, is quite common in the sonic arts um with artists building instruments and exploring different kinds of materials to make sound installations and and so on that's great do you have a little club of uh, people that you can speak to <laughs> oh, yes. about all of this stuff yeah there's, there's there's a really cool community um locally in leicester there's a, there's a lot going on but also internationally particularly with the e-textiles community there's some there's some really cool cool artists working working with sound and music and textiles that's great um thank you so much for talking to us um it's so interesting and you know this is this is going to be new to a lot of our listeners, e-textiles, this idea of making instruments out of yarn. So um, hopefully everyone feels a bit more inspired to maybe buy a noisy pom-pom kit from Sam. <laughs> you can order them on Etsy. Um, so can you just give us a little, what are you up to next and where can people find more about you online? Sure. So, um, yeah, I'm currently really busy with, with my Christmas preparations. I'm stocking up the Etsy shop, uh, making sure I've got plenty of pom-pom uh, musical instrument DIY kits in stock. Um, so the kits, they're entirely handmade. So I sold all of the circuitry, I glue, bundle the yarn, I pack the kits, everything. So I'm really trying to get ahead of the game this year. <laughs> Make sure I've got plenty, plenty in stock as it completely caught me off guard last year. Last year was the first year uh, I was selling them and I sold out pretty quickly. Um, so that's, that's a lot of fun. I love making them. Um, so yeah, that's that's really taking up my time at the minute. Um, I'm, I'm preparing as well for some more workshops. So I run live online workshops where we, we make the noisy pom-pom musical instrument together. 
Um, my next workshops are happening in January, so I'm making sure everything's already in place for that. Um, and if you're interested in taking part, you can buy workshop tickets along with the DIY kit. That's all on my Etsy shop, so you can find out more information uh, about that there. And, and it's available worldwide as well. That's been a really cool way uh, of working in the last year, being able to connect with people around the world um, and carrying carry on making and playing. Yeah, cool. It must be really nice to see people using the kits, you know, oh, posting yeah. pictures or videos. I yeah, love it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love to see. I love to see what people have been making and playing and the music that they make as well with this new instrument, how they how they investigate and explore it. It's, yeah, I love it. It's really cool. Great. And where, where can people find you online? What's your Instagram handle? Yeah, I use Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can find me at Sam Topley on, on all three. Um, I also post uh, on my website. That's samantha-topley.co.uk. You can see cool. some of my older projects there as well. Great. Thank you so much. It's been lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much. What a great chat that was. Thanks, Belinda, and to Sam for telling us all about noisy pom-poms, I guess. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much. And it's really fun to have a different pom-pom person um, doing an interview and joining us for the podcast. We hope you enjoyed uh, that interview. And just a reminder that we will always have show notes about the things we chat about on the episode. You can find those uh, on the pom-pom website, including a link to Sam's Etsy shop. Yes, yeah, so there you can get your own DIY noisy pom-pom kit, which is very exciting. I'm sure you'll all agree. And as Sophie said, the link will be in the show notes. And we've only got one more episode now before the festive break that we're taking. And if you enjoyed hearing other pom-pom people on the show, then we've got a real treat for you. We're getting the whole gang together in audio format to answer your questions. You might remember the other episode we're asking you to ask us anything, and you did. So that will be our last episode of the year, uh, answering all those questions you sent us. We can't wait. So thanks again to uh, Sam and Belinda, and thanks to you, our Pomcat, for uh, listening. And we look forward to answering the questions that you have asked us. Take care. Bye. Bye. Pomcast is produced by Lydia Gluck and Sophie Heathscott, along with the team at Pom Pom Quarterly Magazine. You can buy your copy of the magazine and subscribe too at our shop, pompommag.com forward slash shop. Big thanks to Eli Block for creating the original music for this show and for being an essential part in creating this podcast. And thanks as well to Portmanteau Music for the tracks used in this episode. Thanks as always to Megan Fernandez, co-creator and editor of Pom Pom Quarterly. And thanks also to the whole Pom Pom team, and especially Belinda. Thanks for joining us for this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and why not leave a review? Five stars, please. Send any feedback or ideas to podcast at pompommag.com. And don't forget to keep in touch with us via the podcast group on the Pom Pom Ravelry Forum.